0: First half of Ephesians 2, Paul was reminding these believers at Ephesus about what their position was before they were saved. Now, here in the in the last half of the chapter, he's going to remind them about what their position was as Gentiles before there was a change that took place. And, And you see what it was. So he says they were Gentiles, he says they were called uncircumcision. By that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. One thing that made Jews different from Gentiles is that God gave Abraham this practice of circumcision. Okay? So, so you know... Uh, uh, Surgery that's performed on baby boys under the law eight days old is when the circumcision was to be performed. And that was something to show that you were a descendant of Abraham. Because God had made these covenants with Abraham and with his seed. And so that, was, that, that circumcision was given as a, a seal, a, a token of that covenant. And so the Jews would refer to the Gentiles uh, derisively as the uncircumcision. Right, that was an insult. They they were saying, you know, we're the circumcision, we're the ones that are taking part in this thing that God has has delivered. We're the descendants of Abraham, and you're not. You're the uncircumcision. And so he says, you Gentiles, in time past, there was a time where the Jews called you the, the uncircumcision. Um, you can think an example would be when um, when David is going to fight Goliath. Right? Goliath was a, a Philistine, a Gentile, and David calls him this uncircumcised Philistine. Right, That's, a, that's a, an insult. It's intended as an insult. Um, and, and so he says, you Gentiles, you were called the uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. He says that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So God in time past was dealing with Israel. Now that doesn't mean that Gentiles were excluded from salvation. I want you to notice here, go to Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. Now this is addressed to Israel. It says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Now you see, God is expressing a desire there that the Gentiles would come to him. But you see how it's going to happen. God's going to shine his light on Israel. The Gentiles out there in darkness in the world, as they see that light, they're drawn to it. And they come to God through Israel all right um, so Gentile you have all kinds of Gentiles in the Old Testament that came to God through Israel in fact King Nebuchadnezzar himself if you read the fourth chapter of the book of Daniel he had conquered Israel right they were his captives and you know normally in the Gentile world if you defeat your enemy in battle that means in, the, in that ancient pagan mind, it meant your gods were stronger than his gods, right? So a lot of times the captives would wind up worshiping the gods of their captors. But Nebuchadnezzar, who had, who had conquered Israel, he comes to be a believer in the Lord God of Israel through, through the testimony of Daniel. Okay? And, and so you have these Gentiles, but they always came through Israel because that's where God was dealing. And that's what Isaiah 60 describes, so, so that's how God was doing it in, in the Old Testament. But there was this clear difference, right? There's a difference between Jew and Gentile. If you ever read through the law that God gave to Israel, you know, there's a lot of laws about putting differences between this and that, right? Kosher dietary restrictions. You can eat you can eat uh, meat from an animal if it chews the cud and splits the hoof. If it has a split hoof and chews the cud, you can eat it. If it doesn't, you can't eat it. So you can eat a cow, you can't eat a pig, um, if it if it comes out of the water, if it has fins and scales, you can eat it. If it doesn't, you can't. So you can eat, um, you know, you can eat. You can eat a bluegill. You can't eat a lobster uh, under the Old Testament law. Um, you have all you know these rules like this. Put, putting a difference. There's clean and unclean. Um, they had to. They couldn't sow their field with mingled seed. They couldn't wear clothing where two different kinds of of fabric were mixed. OK, it, there was got to put a difference between things. Why? Because God had put a difference between Israel and the Gentiles. And all those things were just like object lessons for Israel to learn, put differences. All right. So that's what that's that's the way things were in the time past that Paul's describing. Go back to Ephesians two. the Gentiles as a group were. He says that they were without Christ being aliens from the Commonwealth of Israel. You know, individual Gentiles could go and join themselves to Israel and, and be saved uh, by worshiping the Lord God of Israel, by believing in the Lord God of Israel. But the Gentiles as a whole were without Christ. They were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. They were strangers from the covenants of promise. All the covenants were made with Israel, not with the Gentiles. Um, and he said they had no hope and they were without God in the world. But then you see in verse 13, there's that word but again. The, the first half and the second half of, of Ephesians 2 kind of follow the same parallel, right? Ephesians 2, the, the first few verses, talked about how you were as an unbeliever, but God, who is rich in mercy. Uh, verse Verses 11 and 12 describe the state of the Gentiles before the dispensation of grace, and then verse 13 says, but now. So that's the way it was. When you're reading in the Old Testament, realize that... that uh, there was a difference there between Jew and Gentile. And a lot of the things you see in the Old Testament that you might have questions about are because of that difference that God had put there. God didn't deal with everybody equally. The, the, the Jews, I mean, even... I mean, certainly you had, you had people who were believers and unbelievers, but the unbelieving Jew in the Old Testament was lost, but he still had a higher status than what an unbelieving Gentile had, right? He still had certain benefits that belonged to him by being a part of the nation of Israel that a Gentile didn't have. Now, part of the problem with that was that uh, if you read the the beginning of the book of Romans, when you read Isaiah 60, you know, the intent was God blesses Israel, the Gentiles see it and they're drawn to God through Israel. But the first couple chapters of Romans, when Paul talks to the Jews, he says the name of God is blasphemed through you. Because Israel had had turned away from God, I mean, how, if, the, if God's going to shine His light on Israel and the Gentiles are going to be drawn to that, well, if Israel turns away from God, um, that kind of that kind of gets in the way of that intent, right? I mean, they no longer are going to be able to be that testimony to the Gentiles, and and instead of the Gentiles coming and blessing God through Israel, the Gentiles were blaspheming God because of Israel. Okay, but. But here you see verse 13 describes then a change that has taken place. It's not like that anymore. It's not, there's no difference between Jew and Gentile anymore. So in verse 13 he says, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, you Gentiles that were separated from God because you weren't a part of Israel. He says, now you're made nigh by the blood of Christ. There's a different way that God is dealing with the Gentiles today because of the cross than what he was dealing with Gentiles before the cross. You see, verse 14 says, For he is our peace who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were nigh. You see, the, so, so one of the things that you can look for in the Bible, because you understand that all of the Bible is not for your obedience today. There are things that God commanded to people at other times that if you were to do them today, you would actually be disobeying God. Right, If you were to offer an animal sacrifice and think that you had atonement through an animal sacrifice today, that would be disobedience to God. If you were living in the Old Testament, though, and you didn't offer the animal sacrifice, you'd be disobeying God. All right. So if that's true of that, what other things are there in the Bible that you've got to understand might have changed today? And so when you're looking at the Bible and you want to determine am I in a part of the Bible that God expects me to obey today, or am I in a part of the Bible that was for that time past that's been done away? One of the things you, you can look for is what it describes here. Are you in a part of the Bible where God is putting a difference between Jew and Gentile, or are you in a part of the Bible where God says there's no difference between Jew and Gentile? And, and when you're in the parts of the Bible where it says there's no difference between Jew and Gentile, then you know that you're you're in a part of the Bible that is for for you today, or, or to you today. Um, so he talks there about a middle wall of partition. Now, there's, there's a couple things going on there. One, one of the things, when he talks about the middle wall of partition, this is something that especially, especially the Jews would have, they would have made a connection with, with something that was familiar with them. And that is that at the temple in Jerusalem, I remember, God told Israel to build a temple at Jerusalem. That was the only place where they were allowed to offer sacrifices. It was a place of worship. Uh, the the Jew, observant Jews, even today, when they pray to God, often they will face toward Jerusalem. Okay, that was you know that was the the place where God was going to dwell. What what the Jews had done though there at the temple is they had put up a wall, and there was a there was a sign there that said basically that that any Gentile who passed that wall, they were doing so upon pain of death. The Gentiles could come, you know, they could come to the general area of the temple, but they weren't allowed to cross that barrier uh, to go to the temple itself. I remember one time Paul got in trouble because people had seen him with one of the Gentiles that was traveling with him, and they thought that he had brought him into the temple. In fact, Paul has Timothy get circumcised for that, for that reason. I mean, this was a big deal if a Gentile went into the temple. Uh, now, God never told them to put up that wall there at the temple. That was just something, something they did. You won't find anywhere in the Bible where God told them to keep Gentiles out of the temple. Um, in fact, in fact uh, the indication really in the Bible is that God's intent for that temple was that those Gentiles who become believers, they would go there and worship as well. But, you know, human nature being what it is, uh, they wanted to shut those people out. So, so a Jew, when they would hear, if they would hear Paul talk about the middle wall of partition, they would immediately think about that. They would immediately think about that wall there at the temple that said Jews can come in, Gentiles have to stay out. All right? But Paul here, he's, he's not, when he says the middle wall of partition, he says that God has broken down the middle wall of partition. He's not talking literally about that wall at Jerusalem. That was still standing as he writes this. He's talking about, figuratively, about something that God had put in place to divide between Jew and Gentile. And he tells you what it is. He says, he says that uh, he's broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Verse 15, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. You see, it was the law that God gives as he's bringing Israel out of Egypt, as he's calling them a nation for the first time. He gives them a law that says, you, Israel, you're different from all the other nations. All right? That, I mean, that's, that's a part of the law. It's the law that separates between Jew and Gentile. Now, when we talk about how Christ's death has taken away the law... Um, Part of what that does that allows us to have eternal life is a free gift. Um, it, It means that we're not under the law, right? So in an individual sense, it means that. But also here in this collective sense, it means that there's a difference. If it was the law that put in place the difference between Jew and Gentile, if the law has been taken out of the way, what does that tell you about the difference between Jew and Gentile? It tells you it's been abolished. It's been taken out of the way. So so by taking the law out of the way, that makes a change for the individual. It also makes a change for collectively what that relationship is, as far as God is concerned, between Jews and Gentiles. And so he's broken down the middle wall of partition between us. He's abolished in his flesh the enmity, the, the thing that put this difference in place so that there would be an enmity between Jew and Gentile. And so throughout Paul's epistles, he says over and over again, there is no difference. There is no difference. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. Then verse 16 says um, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. So the cross takes away the enmity between the individual and God. It also takes away the enmity between Jew and Gentile. And so actually here when it talks about reconciliation... It's not so much talking about the reconciliation of a person receiving eternal life and being reconciled to God, but it's talking about the, the reconciliation as God has taken away the difference between Jew and Gentile, and, and so they can come together equally, become mem- a member of one body, and, um, and, and there's no difference between them. Um, and, and you see verse 17 then says, and came and preached peace. To you which were afar off and to them that were nigh. Well, if the difference has been taken out of the way, God's got to let somebody know about it. And so he sends out a message to those Gentiles about how that difference has been taken away. Now, all of these things that Paul is talking about here were not they were not prophesied. They weren't prophesied. The Old Testament never prophesied that the difference is going to be taken away between Jew and Gentile. What you have in Old Testament prophecy is you have God dealing with Israel. You have uh, certainly prophecies about God sending them a Messiah and, and that Messiah dying for their sins. And then you have prophecies about a kingdom where Israel is going to rule over all the Gentiles. Now, now in a, again, in a situation where Israel is ruling over the Gentiles, there's a difference between Jew and Gentile, right? And and understand that there are yet some future things. There's going to come a time where there is going to be a difference between Jew and Gentile again. There's going to come a time where God's going to do some things with Israel. He's going to fulfill all those prophecies and he's going to complete what he promised to Israel. But for the time being, in, in what the Bible calls the dispensation of the grace of God, there is no difference. And... This this period in which we live was not prophesied. This this is the error when you hear you know various people talking about Bible prophecy being fulfilled today, and they're pointing to specific events and they're saying this is this prophecy in the Bible, um, and you know and inevitably it seems like they do that and then they start saying oh Christ is going to return and he's going to return on this date and there's and then the date comes and goes and Christ doesn't return. The, the problem with all of that and why they get into that situation is because they don't recognize this but now that this passage talks about. They're, they're treating the Bible as if, as if, you know, it's just kind of this, this uh, straight line of prophetic fulfillment. And they don't recognize that God's doing something different for the time being that he didn't put in prophecy. And if you if you go ahead to Ephesians chapter 3... Ephesians chapter 3 refers to a mystery. Now, most of the time in, in you know, religious, religious teachings, if somebody refers to something as a mystery, generally what they're referring to is something that doesn't really make sense, but our religion teaches it, so you should believe it, and it's a mystery. Right? That's how they use the term. It, it, they're, kind of, they're kind of using the term mystery to mean something mystical. right? That's not the way the Bible uses the term. Notice, notice what Ephesians 3 says. Verse 1 says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body, and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Now, you see, he uses the word mystery a couple of times there. He also uses the term dispensation, dispensation of the grace of God. Uh, You see, he defines the word for you in verse 5. He says, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed. Whenever you see the word mystery in the Bible, it, it always refers to something that was previously kept secret, but now it's revealed. Okay? Now... Understand that every time you see the word mystery, it's not necessarily referring to the same specific thing, but it's always referring to something that wasn't made known previously and now it is made known. So so a mystery in the Bible is not something that you can't understand or can't know. It's something you can know now, it just wasn't known before. All right, so this mystery that Paul is talking about, uh, just the way he defines it, you can tell that it can't be something that was prophesied. If it was prophesied previously, then they would have known about it, right? He says it was not made known. He doesn't just say that men didn't know it. There were certainly things in prophecy that that men didn't know because they didn't understand the prophecy, right? Or they they misinterpreted it or, or whatever. But here he doesn't say just that men didn't know it. He said it wasn't made known. God didn't tell anybody about it. There, there are these things referred to as mystery that God didn't tell anybody about that you aren't going to find in Old Testament prophecy. Here he says that, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel is a mystery. Now, always in prophecy, even when, you know, even in prophecy, when you get out into the new heaven and new earth, Gentiles are always lower than Israel. Okay, so, so even, in the, even in the new earth, it says that Israel was going to rule over the earth forever. Always, always under that prophetic program, there's a difference between Jew and Gentile. When, when Paul is talking about there being no difference, that's something nobody ever knew about before God revealed it to Paul. And nobody could have known about because it was kept secret. And, and you see how Paul stresses here that this mystery has been given to him. He says says he's the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, right? So this is something that that deals primarily with the Gentiles. Um, He says that the dispensation of the grace of God was given to him. And then he says how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. The, The way he uses the terms there, the term dispensation of grace and mystery, or at least the mystery he's talking about here, are used interchangeably, right? He says that God... He says that the dispensation of the grace of God is given me to you word. And then he says how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. That's just two different ways of saying the same thing. Uh, A dispensation, um, you know, we say we're dispensational or or we're dispensationalists. Um, A dispensation is something that God has dispensed. It's something he's, he's given out. Sometimes you'll see dispensational charts. In fact, we probably have some. Some uh, in the back there on the back table. You see dispensational charts, and they'll talk about, you know, the dispensation of innocence and the dispensation of conscience and the dispensation of of human government and and the dispensation of the grace of God. You know, God has dealt with man in different ways at different times. But if God's going to change the way he deals with man, he has to reveal it to somebody. So, like, when God starts to work with with Abraham to form the nation of Israel— He tells Abraham what he's doing and there's a and there's a dispensation that changes there. Uh, So the dispensation of the grace of God would be this revelation that God gave to Paul. Sometimes we use the term to refer to like a time period and understand that, you know, those instructions that God gives, they 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 have effect in a time period. Right. There's a time period where this dispensation of the grace of God is in effect. There's going to come a time where it's not in effect, and there was a time before it was in effect. So sometimes for convenience, we'll we'll refer to a period of time as being a certain dispensation. But really, the period of time isn't dispensed. It's the revelation that God gives that's dispensed. And so there was this mystery that God didn't tell anybody about that was kept secret that he reveals to the Apostle Paul. That's why Paul's so important in your Bible. That's why out of the... the uh, 27 books of the new testament 13 of them are written by the apostle paul see because there were some things that god didn't tell anybody else that he reveals to paul that were were this mystery that you won't find anywhere in the bible except paul's epistles except for romans through philemon and and you see it wasn't in other ages verse five says in other ages it wasn't made known unto the sons of men so you aren't going to find it in the old testament you aren't going to find it in the teachings of Christ during his earthly ministry. It wasn't made known to anybody. But Paul says it was revealed to him. And, and he says that that's that the Gentiles should be made fellow should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Instead of the Gentiles being, separ- being separated from Israel, now the Gentiles were brought in and, and they could be fellow heirs. And then Paul says, Whereof I was made a minister. According to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. The important point here from these passages is, first of all, that there's been a change. Things aren't the same today as they were before the cross and before the dispensation of grace. In our, in our text in Ephesians 2, you know, he mentions the cross there. Ephesians 2 verse 16 says that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross having slain the enmity thereby. Now, understand that doesn't mean that the change comes specifically at the cross. I mean, if you read scripture about what happened, even for for a significant period of time, after the cross, you see there's still difference between Jew and Gentile. But it's revealed then that by the cross God was able to take away this difference and that's not revealed until it starts to be revealed like if you're reading through the book of Acts you know the book of Acts begins with the the ascension of Christ and then the day of Pentecost it's really not till you get to about chapter 9 of the book of Acts that this dispensation of grace begins to be revealed that God starts to talk about there being no difference between Jew and Gentile and when what that means is, what that, the, the fact that there is that difference means that when you're studying the Bible, you have to apply some of these things to what you're learning. You have to apply, when, when you're reading the Old Testament, you have to understand that there may be many things there that are applicable, Certainly, you know, certainly the character of God never changes in any dispensation, but just because God gave an instruction back in the Old Testament doesn't mean it's for your obedience today animal sacrifices being the one example there would be many many other examples it also means that even in the four gospels even in the teachings of christ himself while he was on earth there are things that still pertain to that time when there was a difference between jew and gentile i mean why was it that jesus christ said salvation is of the jews because there was still a difference Why was it that that Jesus Christ said it wasn't fitting to take the children's bread and cast it to the Gentile dogs, right? Because there was still a difference. Now, there were Gentiles who came to Christ. They came, you know, came through Israel, came to Christ. Uh, But there was a difference. Today, there is no difference. And so when when you're in Paul's epistles... You know, there you've got the dispensation of grace. There there's less question about what's applicable and what's not. But when you're in those other parts of the Bible, you always at least need to keep it in your mind, in your own study, is you need to say, okay, is this something that carries over into the dispensation of grace? Or is this something that relates to this difference between Jew and Gentile and, and is no longer applicable? And, um, and again, to, to recognize that mystery nature. That'll help to clear up a lot of issues. It helps to clear up a lot of issues about Bible prophecy and things like the rapture. You know, the reason that people confuse there's some people who don't believe in a pre-trib rapture. Uh they don't they they believe that there's just the second coming of Christ at the end of the tribulation. That's because they don't understand this mystery that Paul talks about and so they just group everything together and they think that the coming of Christ that Paul talks about is the same coming of Christ that's referred to in the old testament or you know or in these other places. And and so just like just like uh, there in Ephesians 2 where where when you get to verse 4 and it says but God and you see that change from what you were to, to what you are now, when you're in verses 11 through through uh, 18 there and you come to but now, that's a change as well. And and that recognizing and understanding that, it it uh, it removes a lot of confusion about the Bible. I mean, if you've, if you've studied the Bible and you get confused and you think, what, you know, what's, what's all this stuff in the law? What's all, all these things? How, how can that apply today? Um, much of it does not because we're in this mystery. We're in this dispensation of grace. We're not in that dispensation. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at richardchurch.com or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.friendshipbiblechurch.com.